Okay, Acts chapter 20. And we're going to look at another paradox this morning. And I think this one is, is so important for us to get early in life. And uh, I've entitled it, Giving is Receiving. Giving is Receiving. And notice Acts chapter 20, verse 35. I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, all of these paradoxes kind of go against our natural grain. They, know, they go against the natural realm of our thinking. That's why they're paradoxes, because they don't quite make sense at the outset. When we first hear them, when we first think about them, they don't quite jive with our thinking, and that's exactly the point. That's why the Lord used these paradoxes to get across truth. What seems natural to us, what seems like a natural instinct, is indeed natural. But remember, what is natural is temporal rather than eternal. And so God is trying to get across an eternal truth here that's far more important to us than the natural way of thinking or the temporal way of thinking. So often we think in the realm of the here and the now. Uh, that is illustrated quite well in the life of Esau, isn't it? Esau's hungry. He, he's dying for something to eat and he comes home and Jacob is making some pottage there and Esau is, is hungry and he says, give me something to eat. And, and Jacob being the supplanter, being the conniver, being the deceiver, he says, well, Esau, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a bowl of soup if you sell me your birthright. Well, the birthright seemed distant to Esau. The birthright seemed to be of no real value at that moment. It, it was very important in the sense of God's plan. But Esau saw, saw no value in the eternal at that moment. He was focused just on the temporal, just the natural instinct of being hungry. So he sells out the blessing of God. He sells out the birthright for a bowl of soup. So what's in our bowl today? What is more important of the temporal to us than that which is eternal? Will what we're holding on to in our little bowl right now satisfy us in eternity? Let's look at three presuppositions with respect to this paradox of giving is receiving. First of all, in this verse, the, the Bible makes clear the legitimacy of labor. In verse number 35, he says, I've showed you all things, how that soul laboring, the legitimacy of labor. Uh, young people, it's, it's good for us to learn early in life that work is a good thing. Now, work is a proper thing. Work is something that is legitimate in the eyes of God. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had created and made. And he rested the seventh day from all of his work that he had made. It's interesting. People think that work is a result of Adam and Eve's sin. Uh, because Adam and Eve sinned, now we have to labor. Now the earth is cursed and there's thorns and thistles. No, God worked in creation. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. For the night cometh when no man can work. 
Paul said to the pastor, who, uh, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So the Bible makes legitimate this matter of work. And God desires that you and I, our lives be filled with labor. In Genesis chapter two and verse 15, the Lord God took man, put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. He put him to work. This was way before sin entered the world. And so we are made to work. Charles Mayo, who founded the Mayo Clinic there in Rochester, Minnesota, well-known medical clinic, Charles Mayo made the statement, I've never seen one person in all of my medical career die from being overworked. That's an amazing statement. Because we talk about being worked to death. <laughs> Man, I'm working myself to death. Man, I'm just working to death. Charles Mayo, this renowned medical physician, said, I've never seen anyone die from overwork. He said, I've seen thousands of people die from stress, but nobody from work. It's amazing. Why? Because God made us to work. Lamentations chapter three and verse 27 says, it's good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. It's, it's legitimate to work. So we see the legitimacy of labor, but then we see the language of love. In verse 35, he says, uh, uh, I've showed you all things how that so laboring, you ought to support the weak, support the weak. The language of love. Why do we work? Well, you say, I got to pay my bills. I got to pay my school bill. I got to pay my cell phone bill. I got to pay for my car. I got to pay for gas. I, I got to get this. I got to have that. We, we work because we, we, we have all these needs. But the Bible says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him work that he may have to give to him that needeth. Wow. So God kind of shoots a hole in that thinking that I work to pay my bills. I work to provide for me. God says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands that he may give to him that needeth. Do you work to give? Do you work to be a blessing to others? Whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? What we do with what we earn at work shows us a lot about who and what we're all about. What we do with what we earn tells the story of who and what we are all about. Have you learned to give to God? We've just come through a week of missions conference where the tithe has been talked about, where the offerings have been talked about, missions and, and giving. How did you walk away from that conference with respect to the money that God has entrusted to you? Certainly we are robbing God if we are not giving him of our tithes and our offerings. It's a serious thing to rob God, Malachi 3 tells us. 
What about giving to others? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 24, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. In other words, it comes back to this, this selfishness that so permeates our thinking in today's culture. God says we're not to think about ourselves. We're to think about the wealth of others. It's part of what we think, it's part of what we desire that someone else would have the blessing of God. Do we enjoy others receiving? Do you enjoy giving so that they can? He speaks here of the legitimacy of labor. Then he talks about the language of love. And then he shows us the law of liberality. In verse 35, he says, I have showed you how that laboring you ought to support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Wow. I don't know about you. I, I like getting things, don't you? I, I like when somebody gives something to me. I enjoy that. I, I remember Christmas as a, as a kid, you know, couldn't wait for those presents and your birthday and things of that nature. There's a certain excitement that comes with your day, with, with getting some things. But God says it's more blessed to give than to receive. The receiver is actually the giver. In God's economy, the receiver is actually the one who gives because it's more blessed to give than to receive. What does God say in Luke 6, 38? Give and shall be given unto you. In 2 Corinthians 9, every man as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And here it is, and God will make all grace abound toward you, so that you, having all sufficiency of all things, may abound unto every good work. See, God is never our debtor. When we learn to give, when we learn to supply the needs of God and the needs of the church and the needs of others, then God gives back to us and the giver actually becomes the one who receives. Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. In Proverbs 11, verse 25, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. In Proverbs 13, and verse 7, there is that make himself rich, yet hath nothing. And there is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. So here's one guy who sits in church and the offering plate goes by and he says, no, I'm going to keep what I have. God says that man just became poor. But then there's the other guy that makes himself poor and he throws it all in. God says, that's the guy that just became rich. It's a paradox. Giving is receiving. It's our choice to be rich or to be poor.